good evening, good evening. We began to discuss the halakhas of Issa Yichud in the previous year with the background that Issa Yichud is relevant to men, it's relevant to ladies. There's no gender applied to Issa Yichud. Both men and ladies are obligated with the halakhas of Yichud and therefore it is important as the... So we began to discuss the halakhas of Yichud and how it's relevant both to men and ladies and how the Shulchan Aruch says it's important for women to be taught the halakhas of Yichud because they need to know the, the boundaries and the background to the halakhas. We discussed the background, the Gemaras, etc. and the different aspects of Hilfus Yichud that are going to be relevant. And what we'd like to do today is start to discuss the halakhas of Yichud. Just before we, before I forget, in two weeks' time, the Emeritus President is making a chasna in Manchester. So uh, I'm afraid I'm going to have to be there. And it's difficult to give a shear from Manchester. The latest time I've heard we'll have to give two weeks' time we miss. But four weeks' time is just before the winter holidays. So Red Shem will do four weeks' time. Then two weeks later will be the end of the winter holidays. So hopefully we'll, we'll, we won't miss too much. The halachas of Yichud apply to a man from the age of 13. Now I've got to be very careful how I say this. And, and I'll, I'll explain a bit more as, I, as we go through. A man of 13 years, a boy of 13 years old, is already obligated, as he's obligated with all mitzvahs, he's obligated with the halakhas of Yichud. For him to be isolated in an, in an isolated place with a woman is forbidden. So that man of boy or man of 13 is obligated to make sure that he's not in a, in a situation where he's isolated with a woman. The same applies to a, a girl, a girl of 12. If she is in a position where she is isolated with a man, she is transgressing the halakhas of Yichud. And it's oblig- obligatory for both the man and the woman to make sure that that situation isn't there. So if you go into a situation where there's Yichud, both the man and the woman have an obligation to make sure that they remove themselves from that situation. That's, again, referring to the man with the obligation and the, the woman with the obligation. But with what age is it forbidden to be in a situation of isolation? The fact that you're only obligated and there's only an issa which falls on you when you're 13 or 12, if you're a man or a woman, doesn't mean that you can isolate yourself with any woman or any child. So can I put myself in a room with a child who's less than 12 years old? Since she has no obligation of yichud, because she's under 12, does that allow me to isolate myself with a, a girl of less than 12? Or one of you to isolate yourself with a boy of less than 13 or not? And the answer to that is definitely not. The obligations are on a person who is a man who is 13 years old, a boy who is 13, and a woman who is 12. But the age with whom you may not be isolated is completely different. For a man, he's not allowed to be isolated with a girl from three years old upwards. And for a, a woman, she may not be in a position of isolation with a boy from nine years old upwards. Now, if you do find yourself in a position where you are with a boy of nine and up, then the boy has no obligation to run out of the room. He can stay there because he is not obligated. He has no problem with the Issa Yichud. The only problem is the woman. The woman will then be obligated to get up and run out of the room. Because the woman is in a situation where you are together with a together with a child of nine, a boy of nine, which is for you also. Vice versa. If a man is in a room with a girl of three and up, the girl of three and up has no obligation to go out of the room. She has no chiyuvim isurim of Yechud. But the man who's 13 and up has an obligation. So he has to make sure that he's out of the room. He's not in the situation where he is isolated with his girl of three. We're going to discuss that today at length. We're going to spend a long time on that today. And I'm not even going to give you an answer to that, but we're going to discuss it next time. I'll give you the background to why it's a difficult, a very difficult discussion.
So, a man and a woman of 13 years up, old, and 12 years up, 12 years and up, if they are find themselves together, both the man and the woman have an obligation to make sure that that situation of Yichud doesn't remain, and they remove themselves from that situation. A man who is in a situation of Yichud with a girl of three and up, the man is obligated to move himself away from that situation of Yichud. A woman from 12 and up who is in a situation of Yichud with a boy of nine years old and, and, and beyond, the woman is obligated to make sure that they she removes herself from the situation of Yichud. Yichud applies both to men and women, from 13 years old and from 12 years old. But the situation of Yichud doesn't need to be an adult. It can even be a child can create a situation of Yichud. The difference is, if you have a child of a boy of nine and a girl of three who are in a situation of Yichud, since they are not, haven't reached the age of Chiyuvim and Yisurim, we don't worry about Yichud. And why there's no Mitzvah Chinuch on a on children, when it comes to it's a, yichud, it's a discussion, which I don't want to discuss here. It's a long discussion in the Poskim, but we don't actually apply mitzvah to the issue of yichud. So you can have a child of a girl of three and a half and a boy of eight and a half, of nine, ten and a half, and they can be in a room together and they can be in a house together on their own. I wouldn't advise it because you get the social services around. I don't want to get involved in all that. But misad halacha of yichud, you can have a boy of nine and up and a girl of three and up. No problem. There's no yichud there because they themselves are not obligated with issa yichud. However, if one of them is an adult, if the man is an adult, 13 and up, even if the child, even if the woman is a child, three years and up, and she has no obligations with issa yichud, but the man does, he's got to remove himself from that situation. And the same in the reverse: if the woman's 12 and up, and the girl, and the boy is more than nine, then the woman has to make sure that she removes herself from that situation. Is that clear? Because it, it, it's a halacha which people often get mixed up. They think that if the issue yichud only applies when you're 13 for a man and 12 when you're a woman, so I can isolate myself with a child. And this is extremely relevant because if you have a babysitter, a girl, so you phone your next door neighbor and you say, please, can you come babysit? For me, I have a child, <laughs> a boy of nine, and he's sleeping, he's sleeping. Come in and you can have a free reign of the house. I'll put nuts on the table and crisps and coke and whatever you want. And, you, and what are you doing? You're asking her to babysit. But what you've done really is you put her into a situation where she's now isolated with a boy of nine. Now this boy of nine can sleep happily and calmly, he has no problems. But the babysitter has a serious problem. And vice versa, if you take a boy as a babysitter, and there's a girl there, this is more complex. You take a boy as a babysitter and a girl of three, four, five, and there's no other children, we'll discuss whether other children help or not when we get to the stage where we discuss other children, whether another child is a shame or shameris or not. But if it's a single child of a single girl of three, four, and you have a boy babysitter, you have a serious problem of yichud. A serious problem of yichud. That boy will have to run out of the house, and he's not allowed to run out of the house because he's got to look after this child. So you've really put him into a situation where he's going to transgress the yichud, and these, these halachas need to be thought through before you actually ask the babysitter to come and babysit. These are very, very complex halachas. And how we, we can get out of them most times, but we'll have to discuss all the different scenarios of Hashem. We mentioned last week that, two weeks ago, that the Issa Yichud with a, someone, with a, a man and a woman who are forbidden to marry each other, which the Torah describes as an erva, forbidden misad, there's a punishment of chorus or misa attached to it, or there's a, a punishment of even a love of malchus attached to it, could be the Issa Yichud, not could be, probably the Issa Yichud is minhatayr. Forbidden minhatayr. So I want to run through a list of, of women that a man is forbidden to be isolated with, min and again a list of men that a woman is forbidden to be isolated with, min So, it's quite quite an extensive list, so just bear with me. So for instance, it's also for a man to be isolated with any married woman. 
Because since every married woman is forbidden to any man, to any man in a situation of a married, isolated with a married woman is an Issa It's an Issa So if you come into a house and you're not sure if the husband of the house has gone away on business or not, you know that he was traveling abroad uh, some, some, somewhere around this time and you knock on the door and the woman says, come in, you know, just come for a minute whilst I'm uh, sorting out whatever she's supposed to sort, sort out for you. She wants to get you something, you left something there. Can you go into the house? Since going into the house with a, a married woman constitutes a Isidoraisa, since you have a doubt now, a doubt on an Isidoraisa is, you have to be stringent, you have to be mafmi, and therefore you're not allowed to go into the house. If you want to be rude, you can say to the woman, excuse me, is your husband in town, is he not in town? If she says he is in town, then you can go in the house and we'll discuss, Mr. Shem, a bit later, the halakhas of a husband in the town, what's called the husband in the town, what's not called the husband in town. But if she says to you, my husband's out of town, then it's forbidden for you to cross the threshold unless the door's going to be left open, as we will discuss, etc., etc. But you should know that that is the situation of Yehud. So any married woman with any man, any man with his aunt, an aunt, I mean his father's sister, or his mother's sister, it's forbidden for him to be isolated in any situation with his father's sister or his mother's sister. His aunt, that's his father's sister-in-law, is also forbidden for him. His daughter-in-law, Forbidden to be isolated with your daughter-in-law. His wife's sister. Sister-in-law means his wife's sister. Or his father's wife. If his father's wife is not his mother. His father's wife. His brother's wife. His mother-in-law. His mother-in-law's father, mother. Or his mother-in-law's... Or his father-in-law's mother. His wife's daughter. If he's married to... If she was married once before. Or his wife's granddaughter. All forbidden. Or any woman who's reached the stage of nidus, any woman who's mentally um, osa, uh, forbidden at the time, is also considered an isa and forbidden to isolate for them. The difference of that is that any girl from the age of 12 till marriageable age is already considered awesome in her to be isolated with a man. So if you look at the list, you're talking about any married woman can't isolate with any man, min her Any girl from the age of 12 and upwards, we, the assumption has to be that she can't isolate herself or with any man, and then all your close relatives, and really all your close relatives are forbidden for you to be in any situation of Yechud, Min HaTagir. So if you come home, you go to visit your son, and you're not sure if your son's around, you're not allowed to go into the daughter-in-law's house. It's also to go in. You go in there, you're, unless there's children, but if there's no children, it's also because you're transgressing it's of Yechud. Your mother-in-law, you want to go visit your mother-in-law, she's a wonderful lady, your mother-in-law, right? Absolutely wonderful lady. And you have a very good relationship with her, and you want to go and visit her. If the father-in-law father isn't around, or the father-in-law's not alive, and you want to be nice and go and visit, you can't go and visit. Unless, unless you have a shamer, unless you go through all the ways that we will discuss to get around the Isra Yechud. They really make life, life, life complicated. If you understand exactly with whom you may not be misyachad, whom you're not allowed to be isolated with, it can be rather complicated. The same in reverse, a woman is not allowed to put herself in a situation of Yechud with any man. So a married woman can't put herself in a situation of Yechud with any man. She can't put herself in a situation with any non-Jew. This is extremely, extremely relevant because many women go to private houses, non-Jewish houses, called the seamstress. They have, you know, again, they make a chasmah in a few weeks, a few months, and you have to buy 50 dresses, and the dresses all need to be larger, smaller, narrower, thinner, etc. Of course, you have to sneer. So you've got to go to the cheapest one. You can't go, to, you've got to go to the cheapest woman. The cheapest one is probably a guy who works from home. You're going to go into the gender, that's right. Uh, shock and take. <laughs> you, you, you're going to go into. This is not a. a I don't get no percentage for this. 
you're going to knock on her door and you're going to go into her house and she's got a husband there. Now, a, a non-Jewess, as we will discuss, Metzhem, is not the Shemeris. So going into her home with a seamstress and her husband's in the house means, and you shut the door, you have isolated yourself with a non-Jew. And min hatayr, that is forbidden. That is forbidden. Pashtas comes to most Paskim, it's forbidden for a married woman to isolate herself with a non-Jew. And that really makes that complicated. A non-Jewish woman is not a Shemeris. And we're going to discuss that at length, Mr. Shem. So, if an electrician comes to your house, yes, and you have, well, then we have to go through the process. If you're right, if your husband's out of town, and an electrician comes to the house, and you've got to just run out the front door. If he's not out of town. So, we're going to discuss what's called in town. We have to discuss what's called in town. How, how large of a town is, is called in town. We'll discuss that. One is if he picks up the phone to you, and you know he's in the office, and he's just working out there, it doesn't mean anything. He could have called you on the mobile. If he calls you on the landline, which is a rarity. If he calls you on the landline and you know that this number is the office number and it takes a good hour to get from the office to your house, can we consider that the husband in town or not in town? We would have to discuss all these opt-outs, as we call them, in his yichud. But let's, the general issue, if you are in a situation of yichud with a goy, forbidden men are It's forbidden for a woman, even if she's a, a divorcee, or even a divorced woman, even if she's a, a widow, to be mishacha, to be isolated with her father-in-law, with a son-in-law, with a brother-in-law, these are all sur min These are things which are completely asur min All these situations are asur min which therefore means that if you're in a situation of doubt, if you're not sure whether you're allowed to, whether the situation is going to be, be a situation of yichud or not, you have to always earn the side of caution and make sure that you avoid all those situations. A girl below the age of 12 with a man, who's un- an unmarried girl below the age of 12 with a man, it'll be forbidden, but only forbidden midirabonam, as we discussed, this is a, a takona that David HaMelech instituted. It's a drabonim which goes back a long time. It is a, a takona which David HaMelech instituted over the story of Toma and Amnon. Toma and Amnon. I'm just testing to see who knows the background here. Toma and Amnon. And therefore David HaMelech, in order to circumvent those situations again, forbade a unmarried girl with a man to be in a situation of evil. But that's an unmarried girl under the age of 12. Above the age of 12, that's already a, probably an issue of So in the situation of Suffolk, a man with a girl who's less than 12, we can be leaving. In the situation of Suffolk from a girl 12 and above, or a married woman, or any, any of these relations which are, you are forbidden to marry or to be with, those are Isuri the Raisa. If you put yourself in an isolated position with them, you are over, you're transgressing a biblical command, and therefore, you have to always err on the side of course. If, if a man is together with his aunt and the aunt is younger than three, or younger than three is okay. Because that happens. Younger than three is fine. There's no issue with a girl younger than three, and there's no issue for a woman with a boy younger than the younger than nine. They can be as close as you like. Makes not slightly difference. There's no issue with a girl under three, and no issue with a boy under nine. That's up. We are talking about from three up, and from so a sister in law. If somebody gets married and they have a little young sister-in-law and everybody's going out of the house and the mother-in-law says, you don't mind, like mother-in-law would, would tend to do, you don't mind babysitting for a few minutes, she, he can't babysit. This sister-in-law, three, is an issa de reisa. He can't babysit. Unless there's a situation where we can get around the issa de It's not so difficult. We, we, we'll help you out with it all as we go through. We're just starting now. Okay. It sounds much worse. Yeah. Let's discuss, however, even though we've just explained to you that it's forbidden to 
be in any situation of yichud with close relatives who are forbidden to you, forbidden for you to marry, there are two exceptions to this. Well, two groups of exceptions. One exception is that you are allowed to be in a situation of yichud with your mother. Mother includes your mother, your grandmother, etc. And you're allowed to be in a situation of yichud with your daughter and your granddaughter, etc. There's no problem. That's not a problem. And there's another exception to the rule, and that's a sister. However, there are differences between a mother, grandmother, daughter, granddaughter in the, in the line to a sister who's on the side, which we'll discuss in a moment. But let's discuss now, firstly, the mother, grandmother, daughter, granddaughter. There is no problem for a person to be living with his mother on their own, permanently, forever, spending many hours together, isolated in your own home. Nobody's got a key, nobody's going to come in. Absolutely no problem. No problem with a father to live with their daughter. Absolutely no problem whatsoever. Not only that, there's no problem with a, a father to live with their daughter even if they were never brought up together, even if, unfortunately, the daughter was brought up by another family, because circumstances forced the situation to be such, whatever it may be, that the father and the daughter were never brought up together. But when they do meet each other, and they decide to live together in the same home, there's absolutely no problem of Yichud. There's no problem of Yichud. Yichud, with a father and a daughter, with a father, with a man and a mother, grandmother, granddaughter, is absolutely permitted. Granddaughter as well. Great-granddaughter. Anything in the line is absolutely permitted. Now, the question is why? The question is why, and this is going to bring us to, to your, your, your question before. The question is why did Chazal, why did Chazal allow Yehud, father, daughter, father, mother, uh, son, mother? At the end of the day, the Torah says you're not allowed to be isolated with someone who you are forbidden to marry. If you are forbidden to marry a daughter, which is of course you're forbidden to marry a daughter, you're forbidden to marry a mother, of course, then why on earth are you allowed to be isolated? Why are you allowed to be mishakad? Why are you allowed to be in a position, in a situation where you're on your own, with your mother, with your grandmother, with your daughter, with your granddaughter? Why is that different? So there seems to be a discussion here, from the Rishonim down, as to why. Rashi tells us something very interesting. To understand Rashi, I have to give you a bit of a background. Rashi says, he quotes a, 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 a quote from a Gomorrah Sanhedrin. The Gomorrah Sanhedrin says that a honey... The Anshe Knesset Gedola managed to achieve that close relations don't have any issues with each other. The Yitzhara for close relations doesn't exist. So let me explain to you what that means. The Gemara Mesechus, Yuma, Gemara Mesechus, Sanhedrin tell us, tells us that around about the time of the end of the Chorban Bayashrishan, after the Chorban Bayashrishan, the end of what we call the time of the Anshe Knesset Agdola, the beginning of Mesechta's Ovis. Anybody who ever heard of Mesechta's Ovis will know that the Mesechta's Ovis starts with Shimon HaTzadik, Hayom Yishari, Anshe Knesset Agdola. Around about the time of the beginning of the Greek Empire, when Alexander the Great began to take, began to conquer the world and rule the world, the end of the Anshe Knesset Agdola, they turned around and looked at what was going on in the world, and they realized that the Yetzirah at the time, the terrible drive and desire that was completely taken over the whole world, including Klavishrol, was the Yetzirah Chavodizor. The Gemara tells us that uh, when Menashe came to one of the Amoroim, Menashe the king came to one of the Amoroim and said to him, if you understand what the, the tremendous desire we have for Avodizor, you would lift up your cloak and you'd run towards an Avodizor. They couldn't understand what's, what's up. We don't understand what it means, Avodizor. It's completely foreign to us. We don't even begin to contemplate what this how you bow down to a piece of wood? It's just totally foreign. But the Gemara explains what happened. So the Anshe Knesset go to turn around to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. They said, Hakadosh Baruch Hu, you gave us the Yitzurah. This Yitzurah caused us to lose our Beit Hamikdash, caused us to lose the Kodesh Kedoshim, to lose our connection to the Rebbeinu Shleilam. It caused so many thousands, millions of people to be killed, Sadiqim to be killed. It sent Kalishol into Golas, and we haven't learned our lesson. We're still, we're still enticed by the Yitzurah, by the Zor. We're still serving idols. 
we haven't begun to realize that we need to stand up. So the Al-Shaknesh said, what we gain in having this Yetzirah, it's there to give us reward. It's not giving us any reward, it's causing us more trouble. So they sat down and they decided they're going to try and see if they can get rid of the Yetzirah for Avodah We want to remove it from our midst. We won't have this Yetzirah for Avodah And they fasted for three days and they done Hakodesh Baruchu and a little piece of paper. The Gemara, this is all from the Gemara. I'm not making anything up. It's not Hasidic stories. It's all from the Gemara. Twice in the Gemara. And a little note came down from Shemai, came down from the heaven, and on the note it said Emes. Emes, the word Emes. And the Gemara says, we know that the signature, the Chesmesh and Akadosh Baruch the signature of Akadosh Baruch is Emes, and they took that as a sign that it's the right thing to do. Get rid of the Yetzirah for Avodah so there should be no more desire. No more desire. Like we have today, no one has a desire. In the morning, they get out of bed and they see a piece of wood there and they start bowing down to a piece of wood. If you do that, they, they send you to... to but in, in the time of it, that's what they did. They would get out of bed in the morning and they would bow down to a piece of wood. The son Cherev, after he, he lost his whole army, he, he, he wanted to bow down, he wanted to, to, to sacrifice his two sons to a piece of wood. That's unbelievable. We can't, we can't begin to imagine. So the Gemara says, so what happened? From the Kurdish Kedoshim, a fire in the shape of a lion. A fire in the shape of a lion came out of the Kurdish Kedoshim, and one of the Nevi'im at the time turned around to the Anshik Nesek and said to them, that is the Yetzirah of It's in the form of a fire, because the desire is always a burning desire. Every desire comes across as a burning desire, which therefore, in the words of Chazal, is like heat, it's like a fire. The Yetzirah is always compared to a fire. And it was a shape of a lion. A lion because the power of the, the Yetzirah of Avodah was so strong, it was in the shape of a lion. The Gemara tells us they tried to catch this lion. They couldn't quite catch it because it was pretty uh, fierce. But they managed to pull one hair out of its mane. One hair of its mane they pulled out. And the, the, it's the lion ruled, such a rule that went, the Gemara says, 200 pasos. So it's unbelievable, all the way around the world. And they took that to mean that the Yetzirah was screaming at HaKadosh Baruch to try and save him. Stop them from capturing him. So they were advised by one of the Nevi'im, what they need to do is they need to get hold of this line and lock it away, put it away in a lead container with a lead lid, and then you can shout orders like, all it likes, and HaKadosh Baruch won't hear from there, and that way you've contained the, the Yetzirah. So that's what they did. They managed to catch hold of this fire line, they put it inside this lead container, sealed the lid, and they've now removed the Yetzirah of Abedizar from the world. From that point on, there was no more Yetzirah Pavadizor. No one has Yetzirah Pavadizor. You can bring on a desire Pavadizor by joining some different cults and things like that. But as a natural instinct in a person, we have no desire Pavadizor whatsoever to the point that in our mind, we can't begin to understand why on earth people are doing stupid things like that. What are you standing in front of a, a, a idol, talking to an idol, and sacrifice? You know the idol can't talk. You know the idol can't eat. You know the idol can't... And we say, we can't, we, we, it's got to the point where we don't even begin to understand what was going on. Historically, you read the story of history and you can't understand what paganism is all about. We just can't begin to understand it. So the Antichristic data realized they want a good thing. Hey, we managed to get rid of one Yetzirah, maybe we should get rid of the next Yetzirah. So they decided let's try and get rid of the Yetzirah for our lawyers. For your moral behavior. If we can get rid of that Yetzirah as well, then the wow, the world will be a beautiful place, it will be a moral place, it will be an ethical place. No avoid the Zorah. Everybody's going to serve their Rebbe No immorality. It's going to be a beautiful place to live. So they managed to get hold of this Yetzirah for, for Arroyos. They found it. Gordon doesn't tell us exactly how they found it, but they found it, they got it, and they locked it away. And the Gemara tells us that they needed to find a laid egg, a freshly laid egg. And they went around the whole of Israel, they couldn't find a freshly laid egg. Because when they removed the Yetzirah for Arroyos, it wasn't possible for a chicken even to lay an egg. 
Now, the meaning behind this Gemara is very complex, and I don't want to discuss that now. That's not what this year is all about. So they realized that life is not going to be able to continue without the Yitzhak Akhwaros. You need to have the Yitzhak, it needs to exist. So what they did was they blinded him to try and reduce the level of temptation. And the Gemara says what they did when they blinded the Yitzhak Akhwaros, they removed one level of desire from the world. And that's what the Gemara calls the desire to have a relationship with a relation doesn't exist. And Rashi says, which relations are we talking about? A mother and a sister. It doesn't exist. There is no Yetzirah for in, 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 in a natural Yetzirah in a person to have any sort of illicit relationship with a, a daughter or any sort of illicit relationship with a mother. Says Rashi, if that's the case, therefore there's no problem of Yichud. A mother and a, do- and a son or a father and a daughter can be in an isolated area together. We don't mind. But they have no, there's no Yetzirah there. There's no Yetzirah. It doesn't exist. We can ignore it. Yichud doesn't start. The whole premise of Yichud is you mustn't be in an isolated situation because there's a Yitzhah And when you're in an isolated situation, we can't trust anybody because the Yitzhah is so powerful. But now that they, they've managed to blind this Yitzhah for Arroyos, and therefore the Yitzhah for relations, for Kurve, as Rashi says, the Gemara calls it, the Yitzhah for relations, for having a relationship with a relation doesn't exist. And Rashi says that means a mother, a daughter, or a sister. Therefore Yichud doesn't apply. Yichud doesn't apply. That's how Rashi understands. So therefore there's no problem with being isolated with your mother, your grandmother, your daughter, your granddaughter. No problem whatsoever. She can be 3, 5, 10, 15, 20, 40, 50, she can be 80. It makes a slight bit of difference. Your grandmother, your granddaughter, totally. Daughter, mother, totally permitted. That's one understanding of the Rashi. There's another explanation which is mentioned in the Paschum and the Levush. Not clear exactly what the Levush means, but the Paschum understands the Levush to me as follows. The Bush says a reason why a mother or a daughter, a grandmother, etc., is considered permitted for Yichud is because one normally, in a situation of a mother and a grandmother, you have a very frequent relationship. You frequent each other, you know each other well, and it's a relationship which is a close relationship but a distance relationship. It's a relationship of a mother to a daughter, mother to a son, a father to a daughter, and that it's a relationship that doesn't ever bring to the Yitzhak coming, coming between them. And therefore, there's no problem. And therefore, there's no problem. There's no problem. It's not because the Yetzirah doesn't exist. The Bush doesn't go down that route. He says that familiarity is a certain type of familiarity. Not every familiarity. Normally, we say familiarity is worse. If, if a, a, a man and a woman are, more, are, are familiar with each other, we will say, therefore, the parameters of Yichud are greater. We will discuss, as the Shem in the coming Shurim, Liboy Gaspar, when the familiarity is such that you are very familiar with each other, then the parameters of Yichud is much worse. But, here, the familiarity is a respectful familiarity. It should be anyway. A respectful familiarity. You have respect for your mother. You have respect for your grandmother. Your daughter has a slight distance from their father, etc. And therefore, the worry of Yichud is not, is not there. And Chazal said there's no problem of being isolated with your mother, with your daughter, grandmother, or granddaughter. What's the difference between the two? The difference between the two here is, Mrs. Faust mentioned a, minute, a moment ago, what do you do with adopted children? And this is the big question. And therefore, we're not going to discuss this here practically, we're just talking about the Shaiva. This is the big question. If the reason why Yichud is permitted is because we assume that the Yetzirah is not around, doesn't exist, that's only about biological child. If we assume it's because familiarity, then even adopted child. Adopted child is brought up in the home. The mother's the real mother, the mother's the mother, the child's the child, the grandmother's the grandmother. Why should there be any difference? And therefore, you will find some possible mistake. No way. Some possible say, of course it's permitted. Cross the board, the possible are totally and utterly split 
on this shayla. I'm not going to give an answer to this question now because it's not relevant here now. But just so you understand the background, if it's a biological issue, is it because the Yitzhak doesn't exist? No problem at all. Then, then a, a, an adopted child doesn't have to be adopted child. Somebody who marries a second time and the, the spouse comes in with children, exactly the same problem. If it's familiarity, you're familiar. You are, halakhically you are called the mother. Halakhically you are called the father. But you're not biologically the mother, you're not biologically the father, so we can't say that the Yetzirah doesn't exist. If, however, it's to do with familiarity, it's perfectly permitted. And therefore, many, many, many poskim, local poskim, are totally fine with it. Many poskim, it stretches even further. Is one allowed to kiss a adopted child of the, of the opposite gender, etc.? All the continuation of the same discussion. All the hence of this discussion, one long discussion, enormous, enormous discussion in the poskim. Just to give you the background, that's the basis for the, for the discussion. The outcome is not relevant here. Father of the daughter. So I said to you, a Yetzirah, a yetzirah means of the innate Yetzirah, the, the one which, you're, which every person is born with. Every person is born with a Yetzirah for Arois. Every person is born with it. Gezel v'Arois, nafshei shalotam, there's nothing you can do about it. You're created with an innate desire. That's what we're born with. Our job is to overcome those desires. The desire for a, a relationship with a close relation, like a mother or a daughter, doesn't exist. You can bring on a desire like that by reading, watching, etc. Or if you get to the point where the other desires are so mean nothing to you, then the new desire will develop. But you are not born with such a desire. It doesn't exist. And therefore you find that 90% of the world are straight people. They have no trouble. There are, unfortunately, a noticeable minority where we do have trouble. Fine. So that was discussed now. So that's where, that's one of the problems. It should come and then the father and daughter are not raised together, should be also, but they're not. They're perfectly mutter. They are mutter because at the end of the day we say that there's a certain familiarity between a father and a daughter, even if they're not raised together, which keeps them apart, even though, even though biologically or not biologically. Of course, if you adopt a child at 17, 18, you foster a child at 17, 18, no, I don't think many possible will say to you that it's permitted. You're talking about when you adopt a child and you bring the child up, so you are technically, not technically, halakhically, you are the mother and you are the father, that's where the discussion starts. Fine, so we discuss my mother's sons, uh, daughters, etc. Sisters. Can one be in a situation of Yichud with a sister? So again, this is a discussion in the Gemara. So it's actually a discussion in the Foskim. The Rishonim, some Rishonim say it's completely forbidden. The Halakha we pass that it's permitted to be isolated with your sister. No problem at all. However, there is one little difference here between a sister and a child or a mother. A sister, you can only remain in a situation of Yichud on a temporary, on a temporary, um, in a temporary situation. As a permanent situation, it's forbidden. So you can't have a brother and sister living together permanently. That's awesome. That's awesome. To be together temporarily, that's permitted. That's fine. How do you define permanent and how do you define temporarily uh, something which is not permanent is again, as everything is, a huge discussion in the Boskim. Some Boskim will tell you, Temporary is only three days. Anything more than three days, that's called, there's got an element of permanence to it. Some person will tell you 30 days. 30 days, that's, that's permanent, that's not temporary. However, 
Ramesha Feinstein says that you can't actually define temporary and permanent in, in a time frame. Because you can have something, people living together for two months, and it's clearly temporary. And you can have people living together for three days, and it might be considered permanent. Permanent and temporary means you've got to actually look at the situation as it is. Is it a permanent situation? Is it a temporary situation? And then, if it's temporary, it's permitted. If it's permanent, it's forbidden. So, for instance, if a father and a mother want to go on holiday, and they want to leave two children, a boy and a girl, their daughter, boy and a girl at home on their own. They want to go away, they haven't had a holiday for ten years. It's about time they have a holiday right now. Ten years is about fair, fair time to have a holiday. And they can't find anybody to look after their, their son and their daughter. So they're old enough, one's 14 and one's 16, and it's perfectly, they're perfectly capable of looking after themselves. They'll get invited out to Shabbos, and then you're going to cook all the food you put in the freezer, and they're very good at capable of looking after, yourself, looking after themselves. And you're going away for three weeks. You're going on a long holiday, you're, doing, you're taking a, a boat trip around, uh, on, a, on, a, on a, what would you call them, on these, uh, cruise, a cruise, actually. You're going on a cruise with a hefsha, with homeless meals sent out to you, with other good Is there any wrong with anything wrong with doing that? So here again, if it's three days, it's more than three days. If it's more than three days, according to those possible, it should be also. It's 30 days, so let's say it's under 30 days, it's permitted. But according to Mesha Fashion, you don't look at the time. Is this a permanent situation or is it a temporary situation? Anybody standing outside the house and seeing these two living together will know for sure that this is a temporary situation. This is not called a permanent situation, it's called a temporary situation. And therefore, there's nothing wrong, halakhically, in allowing your teenage son and teenage daughter to stay at home. Now, I want to make a disclaimer here. When we discuss babysitters, and this is a disclaimer for all what we discuss from now till the end of the year. When we discuss babysitting, we discuss leaving boys and girls at home on the road. This is all within the parameters of halakha. There's, there's a fitzroll chanorah, which you need to be aware of, and anybody who's been involved in social, in social welfare will tell you that there are, you can't be too cautious in any of these situations. If you're going to leave a teenage boy and a teenage girl at home, you have to expect that there might be some trouble somewhere along the line. Exactly in what way, I can't tell you. But there could be some trouble somewhere along the line. If you're going to bring babysitters regularly into your home, you have to be extremely careful with those babysitters are. And you have no idea the stories of babysitters that we have to do. You have to be extremely careful who those babysitters are. If they're boys, if they're girls, if you've got internet at home, you have to be extremely, extremely, extremely careful. I'm not here to, in any way, reduce or minimize the severity of what the social work and the social welfare people will tell you when it comes to these types of situations. All I'm discussing is the parameters of Allah. So if you come and say to me, can my teenage girl and teenage boy stay at home for three weeks, I'll say to you, halakhically, yes, but you're out of your mind if you do it. And you really are out of your mind with You really shouldn't be doing things like that in today's world. You really shouldn't be doing that. You have no idea who they're going to bring into the house. You have no idea what they're going to do. Leaving children with no pair on holiday. And you go away on holiday. Maybe halakhically okay. We have to discuss that. It may be halakhically okay. Again, if you've got teenage boys, teenage girls, and you've got a, a, a no pair in the house, halakhically may be, may be difficult. But let's leave the halakha aside on, a, on just on a, a simple sense, you know, Safe, on, on a, on a safer point of view, and from a social welfare point of view, these are not things that one really should be doing in today's society. We have so much trouble, we have to sort out so many issues, that we need to minimize as many of those as we can, and really the onus is on the parents to make sure. And if it means you can't go on your holiday once every 10 years, it's worth the mysterious nefesh. I promise you, it's well worth the mysterious nefesh. I'm not saying you can't have babysitters. Without babysitters, the world would cease to exist. The customers would might be a normal size, and, and, and the, but, but, you have to be extremely, extremely careful who you bring into the house. What's the time limit of Yiddish? How long 
man, man and woman not be isolated together to be considered yichud. Is it one minute? Is it ten minutes? Is it an hour? What's the time frame? So the Gemara tells us that the time of Isha Yichud is the time it takes to fry an egg, eat it, and undo your pinny that you put on in order to fry the egg. Now, exactly what time that is is not quite clear. Uh, Stein Weiss says that he thinks it's around about five minutes. He thinks about five minutes. He quotes there that Rav Nassim of the Rocha, actually went into the kitchen and fried an egg. He actually tried to get married. He might have been a white lady. He went into the kitchen and fried an egg to see how long it would take. <laughs> Sorry? Uh, well, it took him three minutes. It took him three minutes. Three minutes. I can't tell you he's never fried an egg before. But it took him three minutes. I don't remember the last time I fried an egg, I must be honest. But it took him three minutes. So we're talking about roughly three minutes, five minutes is around about the time of this year. Now this is where the discussion gets a little bit more complex. Am I allowed to go into a room with a woman where, technically speaking, I could stay there for five minutes and I would transgress it to Yichud. But I know that I'm just going in to fetch a safer, I'm going in to, to make a phone call, I'm going to run out, two and a half minutes I'm going to run out of the house. So I'm not going to be in the room for the full amount of time that it is considered a Yichud. But I'm in a situation where I could easily turn where I am into a situation of Yichud. If I was stayed there for three minutes, five minutes, it would be Yichud. If I ran out after two minutes, then it wouldn't be Yichud. Do we say that's also also? That means I mustn't put myself in a situation where I can be isolated with a woman for five minutes and vice versa. A woman mustn't allow herself to be in a situation where she can be isolated with a man for five minutes. Or do we say, as long as you haven't actually been in a situation where you've been there for five minutes, that's absolutely fine. We have a rule in the Torah called Chatsi Shir Osam in If the Torah tells us don't eat um, Yom Kippur a certain amount of food then even if you eat less than that Shir is also forbidden in the If the Torah tells you don't eat a Gizai for Chomet on Pesach to eat half a Gizai is also forbidden. Chatsi Shir Osam in So the Marudis can help that to be in a situation of Yichud for less than five minutes is also like a Chatsi Shir Osam in However, if I go into a situation where I know that the isolation, me being isolated with this woman is going to be for less than two and a half minutes because my wife's about to walk into the room or whatever it may be or somebody else is going to, there's a shame who's going to come into the room a minute after me I know that they're going to walk in within a minute's time there's no way that I'm going to be in a situation of yichud for more than two minutes come what may because the situation within two minutes is going to change not because I'm going to run out because the situation around is going to change and therefore it won't be yichud and that's not a problem because I'm not in a situation which is even a chati shir I'm not in a situation where it can ever actually lead to yichud so that's not half a shir that's, that's not yichud at all and therefore that will be permitted what we're we getting at, we're driving up, going on a lift. Can you take a lift? You're going to hospital, you want to go up to the 11th floor. Can you take a lift up from floor 1 to floor 11? Now, some lifts in hospitals, especially the service lift, if you press floor 11, it won't stop on any other floor. It'll go straight up to floor 11. The amount of time it takes, or you go to a skyscraper, they have lifts which go, instead of having to stop every floor, because it'll take an hour to get up to your floor, so you have lifts which go from 1 to floor 50. And only then it stops at every floor. So, from 1 to 50, you know that no one else is going to be able to come into that lift. Are you permitted to go into that lift or not? And this can be a huge problem, because we will discuss uh, the halakhas of a single Jew with 10 non-Jews. You could have a single Jew going in a lift with 10, 15 non-Jewish men and one woman. It could be yichud, because a non-Jewish man is not considered a shamer. We'll have to discuss that. You could have a serious problem. You're going to go into this lift, and there's... Half of the Empire State Building there, if it doesn't exist anymore, but half the Empire State Building in the building in the lift with you. But only one woman, you may have a problem with Yechud. 
However, how long does it take for a lift to get from floor, ground floor to floor 50, floor 70? Minutes, two minutes. You're not going to be there for five minutes. So here you're in a situation where you may be considered a situation of isolation with this woman, but it's not ever going to be for more than the sheer you. Sorry? If you get stuck, you have a problem. <laughs> then you've got to climb out somehow. So, so then, then we begin to the, the discussion of lifts. This is a huge discussion. We will just talk about airplanes. As we mentioned last week, two weeks ago, we discussed the child of the woman who was on an airplane and found out she was the only woman on an airplane together with one non-Jew and a pilot. One non-Jewish, uh, one other non-Jewish lady and a pilot. But, but the lift constantly, the, the I'm talking about a lift which goes straight from, from ground floor to floor 50. It doesn't stop on the way. It's one of these lifts that it doesn't stop on the way. So you are going to be isolated for two, three minutes. If the lift will definitely get from ground floor to whichever floor it gets to within less than a share of Yechud, and the door automatically open as soon as it gets there, then you're not going to be in a situation of Yechud. For sure not. Then don't go in. Then don't go in. Most lifts today go up very quickly. Most lifts today go up very quickly. You go in, most lifts in the hospital will stop at every floor, which is a different story, which we'll discuss when we learn Halakha Pesach Pesach, an open door. We will discuss that at length, Mr. Shem. But talking about a lift which doesn't stop, Mr. Shem, you, you really could have a problem unless the lift is going to be for sure less than a shield. From Goldsmith's house is very long, but you, you hope there's lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of people on the tube. You happen to be by yourself. And there's nobody else on the tube? Sorry? You've walked up and down the whole tube, you know there's nobody there. But you don't realize when you go in, you go in that people, that's very unusual. Have you ever been on a tube when there's nobody there? Really? No, you can, but you can walk through from one carriage to the other. You can't walk through from one carriage to the other. How long does it take from, from Gold's Green to Hansel? Five minutes. Three and a half. Okay, I'll tell you what, everybody's like, next time you go from here to Hansel, please you find yourself. And let me know how long it takes. Can you see through? Oh, the Chief Squire, can you see through from the next carriage? Yes. Ah, so that's already what we discussed, though. And, and, but what happens if there's nobody in the next carriage either? They say you can't walk through. You used to be able to, for sure. That I can't tell you. I travel every day from Goldsmith to Stamford, and I've probably been through every single carriage seven times. They've changed it through now, really. Really. We're going to discuss airplanes, we're going to discuss trains, we're going to discuss troops, but we will go through Bez Hashem. All, all those shows. They are complex, because you can be in an office block of hundreds of people and have serious, serious showers of people. Serious showers of people. It's, it's particularly in today's day and age where everything is double locked and triple locked, and you have to go through sealed doors to get into any office. You can really end up with serious challenges. We will discuss it all, and we will try and help you work out situations how you can get out of this yichud. But yes, yichud is a huge subject. It's not it's not a five minutes a shit. It's a huge subject. And as you said, you, it could be that you're going on a tube. Uh, this, can you imagine this poor the poor girl? She went on a plane, and, and there's only her and the pilot. She has a serious challenge of yichud. You can put on all the pilot. I'm sorry to have to break it to you, but most of your flight is not being flown by a pilot. It's purely done by computers. And, and it's a serious shadow of Yehud. It's a very serious shadow of Yehud. There may be ways around it because he's, he's, a, he's a, an employed person and would lose his job, etc., etc. Maybe, and maybe there's video cameras in the plane. Maybe, I've no idea. But you can be doing a normal, mundane, routine journey and end up in a serious situation of Yehud. 
And when you're in that situation, you don't have t- time to pick up the phone and phone a rob, because the chances of you getting through a rob in those two minutes are very, very, very slim. We have to say we will discuss that. We will discuss that. We will talk why are we allowed to fly on airplanes, why are we allowed to go on trains. We will try and we will get down to that Mr. Shem. Sorry? Uh, we are allowed, don't worry. Did I say you can't, you're allowed to. <laughs> but we will discuss it all. We, there's so much more we need to discuss. To I'm trying first to give you the parameters of where these situations of Yechud will be found and then how we allow, how we get around those situations. Let's just run through a very brief Mateo. Um, and uh, hopefully that will be enough for, for this week in Metro. Again, we're only reconvening in Paul's time position. We know that the prophet tells us that Yaakov Avinu, on his way from Yeshiva's Eva to the house of Lavon, he lay down in Hamaria and he went to sleep and we know the story. And he had a dream of the Sulam of Sabbath So the prophet tells us, In that place he lay down. So the Medrash points out, Rashi quotes half the Medrash. The other half actually doesn't quote. So the Medrash tells us that uh, Rabbi Yehuda says, what does it mean that he lay down in that place? He lay down every night. He went to sleep every night. He lay down every single night. What does it mean he lay down in that place? He also lay down in that place. So the Medrash points out, Rabbi Yehuda says no. He lay down in that place means that he never went to sleep for the 14 years that he was learning in the Yeshiva of Shemreva. 14 years he didn't go to sleep. This was the first time he lay down from the day he went to Yeshiva Shemreva. The, the Medrash continues. This, that's Rashi quotes that. The Medrash continues, continues the name of Nehemia. It says, no. Well, the Pasuk means when the Pasuk says, he lay down there and he didn't lie in any other place. That means to say that he lay down there, if he didn't lie down, he didn't go to sleep for the 20 years that he was in the house of Lovon. For the next 20 years he was in the house of Lovon, this was his last good night's sleep. He never had a good night's sleep after that. The Medrash goes on to tell us, what did he do every night? He said, the 15 Shemales, one month said, he said, the whole Tehillim, but he never slept. We have a machlekes here whether the sleeping in the journey, in between the journey from the yeshiva of Eva till the house of Lavan, is that a sleeping which came after the 14 years in the house of Lavan, or is it a sleeping which came before the 20 years, sorry, the 14 years in the house in the yeshiva chamber in the yeshiva of Eva, or is it the sleeping which preceded the 20 years in the house of Lavan? And here lies a very, very important message for us. A very, very important message. The, the sleep of Yaakov Avina wasn't just a sleep in order to a, a good rest. The sleep of Yaakov Avina was the point where he re- realized and recognized that he's connected to the Rebbein Shleim. That's what the dream was. He was the, the connector to, to the Rebbein Shleim. He was connected and the Malachim came down to do his bidding and went up to do his bidding. He was the most important created being in the universe. Not just an important created being, he was connected to the Rebbein Shleim. A person can see that two ways. You can see that message that Kajbrocha gave Yaakov Vino as a completion of 14 years of work. Can you imagine it was 14 years in the yeshiva of Eber? He sat and learned for 14 years, day and night. He never stopped. He never, he never took a break. He never slept. He hardly ate. 14 years straight, he was working, serving the Rebbeinah them. He then lies down the tremendous achievement that he's achieved. He saw all that tremendous achievement. He saw that he was connected to the Rebbeinah Shleilam through the dream of Hine Sulam Mutzav Atzav at the same time, every achievement is only a precursor to the next stage of a person's life. Akash often sends us a message. He gives us a serious. He gives us a, an understanding, a clarity of vision to know where we need to be. And then we need to move on to the next stage of our life and work to achieve that. So in as much as that Vayishka B'Makamahu was a completion of 40 years of work, it was also only a beginning to the 20 years of Avoida that he was going to have in the house of Lovon. He was going to go to the house of Lovon where he was away from 
the protected environment of his father. He was away from the protected environment of the yeshiva he sat and learned in. He was going to go to a home, which was a home which was contrary to everything that Yaakov stood for. Yaakov was emet. Lavan was the exact opposite. The message of Yishka B'makam who was, you're going to go now for 20 years, don't sleep. You haven't begun to sleep yet. You've got 20 years of work ahead of you. 20 years where you're going to have to toil. 20 years you're going to have to come, overcome all the disturbances and negative influences that are in the environment around you so you can remain and become even more attached to the branch of So yes, the Yishka B'makam who was the completion of 40 years of tremendous work, he became connected to the branch of But at the same time, it was only a Cyrus, a, a time, a message from the branch of He's got another 20 years of work ahead of Every Each one of us in our lives, we have times when we reach certain accomplishments. We've accomplished, we achieve, spiritually we achieve. So that's just the achievement up until that day. From then, it's only a message that we need to achieve even more. We need to move further. Continue to climb, continue to work for the Ben Shalom. If the Ben Shalom gave us that Shmaya, that we should be zeichel to be the Yishka from Akim Ahu, which was the Beis Hamikdash, to see the Binyan Beis Hamikdash from here, we remain on me.